Welcome to the Open Church Podcast, a place for disciples to be made. Hey everyone, welcome back to an Open Church Podcast. Um, Once again, we're really excited to be partnering with One Life Church. They are based out of Sacramento, however, you can be a part of the service Every single Sunday at uh, 12.30 uh, Central Time, and uh, it would be 10.30 Pacific Time at liveonelife.net. This is where you will find me, Robert, uh, preaching on Sundays, and a fellowship with a group um, of believers that's vibrant, um, and then that's also virtual. And it's such a blessing to be a part of in these Uh, pandemic times. Um, We have fellowship. uh, We worship. um, There's a lot of uh, in-between action, talking, discussions, being goofy, and it's all done from the safety of your living room, your bedroom, uh, your office, wherever it is you want to get on in the wilderness. It doesn't matter. You can do it. Uh, You can find out more at liveonelife.com. Net, so we're really proud to be a partner with them. So we're back to the series. Twenty-one praises for twenty twenty-one, starting this year out with the praises of God on our lips. Psalm one hundred seven. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good; His faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that He has redeemed them. From the power of the foe and has gathered them from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. Some wandered in the desolate wilderness, finding no way to a city where they could live. They were hungry and thirsty. Their spirits failed within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He rescued them from their distress. He led them by the right path to go to a city where they could live. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. For he has satisfied the thirsty and filled the hungry with good things. Others sat in darkness and gloom, prisoners in cruel chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the counsel of the Most High. He broke their spirits with hard labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and gloom and broke their chains apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. For he has broken down the bronze gates and cut through the iron bars. Fools suffered affliction because of their rebellious ways and their inequities. They loathed all food and came near the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent his word and healed them. He rescued them from the pit. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and announce his works with shouts of joy. Others went to sea in ships conducting trade on the vast water. They saw the Lord's works, 
his wondrous works in the deep. He spoke and raised a stormy wind that stirred up the waves of the sea, rising up to the sky, sinking down to the depths, their courage melting away in anguish. They reeled and staggered like a drunkard, and all their skill was useless. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They rejoiced when the waves grew quiet, Then he guided them to the harbor they longed for. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. He turns rivers into desert, springs into thirsty ground, and fruitful land into salty wasteland because of the wickedness of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into a pool, dry land into springs. He causes the hungry to settle there, and they establish a city where they can live. They sow fields and plant vineyards that yield a fruitful harvest. He blesses them and they multiply greatly. He does not let their livestock decrease. When they are diminished and are humbled by cruel oppression and sorrow, he pours contempt on nobles and makes them wander in a trackless wasteland. But he lifts the needy out of their suffering and makes their families multiply like flocks. The upright see it and rejoice, and all injustice shuts its mouth. Let whoever is wise pay attention to these things and consider the Lord's act, acts of faithful love. We established the last time that we were together on the, the last podcast that Psalm 107 is a psalm that was written post-Babylonian exile. And so you can find the backstory, of course, throughout all of the Old Testament, most of it. But the stage, the setting, we find in Ezra and Nehemiah. We, we talked about Nehemiah 8 and 9 extensively last time we were together. And we talked about setting the scene of the people of, of Israel coming back together, and they were in their land, and now they're at the temple area. Uh, or in Jerusalem, rather. Um, and they're gathered, this huge mass, and they're standing, and then they're kneeling, and then they're weeping and crying because they know that they have not been faithful to this God who has been faithful to them. And so it's with that in mind that the psalmist pins these words. Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, his faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that he has redeemed them from the power of the foe and has gathered them from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. And then the psalmist puts together imagery from the past of Israel and paints it in, in, in such a way in each of these stanzas as to uh, trigger the imagination of the learned, of the person who knows this, the, the old story, the ancient story, the history. But at the same time, to teach something new and relevant. It's really kind of amazing whenever it's thought of. These praises, this psalm, these stanzas, act like Lego bricks, if you will. You can make 
thousands of things out of the same amount of, uh, of bricks, out of the same exact bricks, if you use your imagination, if you allow uh, your sight to morph into seeing maybe a little differently. And what's amazing is with these praises of God, we're, we're giving them out. But what you do with them is, is what you make. Just like you could make something different out of Legos. You can see God how you want him, how you want to see him. The the trick is, is that we're trying to peel back all of these layers, all of the things that we put before God. And we're trying to see him for who he truly is. And that's part of what Psalm 107 does. It allows this creativity and seeing, but then it helps guides the listener or the reader's mind and heart. To see a God of redemption, of grace, of love, of compassion. A Redeemer. God that is good. That rescues, that leads, that sanctifies. And it's with that we pick up in Psalm 107, verse 4. Some wandered in the desolate wilderness, finding no way to a city where they could live. They were hungry and thirsty, their spirits failed within them. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he rescued them from their distress. He led them by the right paths to go to a city where they could live. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. He has satisfied the thirsty and filled the hungry with good things. And as we read through Psalm 107, that verse 8 And it comes back in verse 15, in verse uh, 21, um, in verse 31. This almost has the resonance of, as you were listening to these stories, there would come a break and you were to say this as as an assembly. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. And then the the psalmist the the person reading whoever it would be the lecturer the preacher the whatever however you want to term it would would follow up with another stanza under for, for verses four through nine it is for he has satisfied the thirsty and filled the hungry with good things and all of this was to throw back to painting a picture to the hearer the reader the listener that God is good and faithful. And we know that he is good and faithful, especially whenever we remember the old stories recorded in the scriptures. And for the Israelites, they remember their heritage. And by God's faithfulness, even when we are faithless, when we're not very good, when we have no mind for redemption, it's those very things that allows us to go forward with God. Because if he redeemed in these situations, if he had grace in these situations, if we turn back to him now, why wouldn't he have grace for us? And as these Israelites were listening to these words. Some wandered in the desolate wilderness, finding no way to a city where they could live. 
it would have reminded them, and it should remind us as we hear this, of the sin. Remember, God takes the Israelites, and he takes them. And this is all in Exodus. And if you haven't read in a while, go back to the book of Exodus and read this. But God takes the Israelites from the Egyptians, and he leads them to the promised land. And then the Israelites are afraid, and they want to send spies out to go spy the lands. And the spies come back, and only two of them, Caleb and Joshua, say, yes, we can, we, through the, with God's help, we can do this, we can take this. And yes, I'm paraphrasing there, but that's basically what happens. You can go back and read that. What's so interesting is Deuteronomy, a, a book where uh, kind of is, is Moses' last thoughts, if you will. Not if you will, I mean, they, that's what they are, but um, it, it's a recording of, of just that last, you know, Mo, Moses is reminding the Israelites of everything that God had done and everything that they had done. And I, and I find it fascinating. I, I really, really do. Because whenever uh, um, Moses is reminding the Israelites of that time where they rejected the land of Canaan, where they rejected their inheritance. And then they were made to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. What's so interesting in Deuteronomy 1, starting in verse 41, uh, and this is kind of partway through Moses's recollections, but the people's response is, We have sinned against the Lord. We'll, we'll, we will go up and fight just as the Lord our God commands us. Then each of you put on his weapon of war through, uh, and, and thought it would be easy to go up into the hill country. This is after they had been rejected. After they had said, No, there's no way we can do this. And, and they started to complain. And then God had said, Okay. No, nobody from this generation will enter in, except for Caleb and, and, and Joshua. And so what was their response? What was their answer? Not repentance, because repentance allows that we've sinned. And it says, God, I can't fix this myself. So I submit to you. And I submit to the consequences that you allow. But I'm not going to try to fix this myself. The Israelites do the complete opposite. Verse 42, this is Deuteronomy 1 verse 42. But the Lord said to me, tell them, don't go up and fight, for I am not with you to keep you from being defeated by your enemies. And that was the thing. The whole time God was going to be the the rescuer god was going to be the one who fought on the israelites behalf but he wasn't with them so i spoke to you but you didn't listen you rebelled against the lord's command and defiantly went up into the hill country and then the amorites who lived there came out against you and chased you like a swarm of bees they routed you from seir and as far as hormah when you returned you wept before the lord but he didn't listen to your request or pay attention to you for this reason you stayed in Kadesh as long as you did. So you say, why why read this passage whenever we talk about 
a praise of God as he rescues. Here's why. God ultimately rescues the Israelites. You have to think of when Moses is saying these words. It's on the eve. It's, it's that time where he is going to be put to rest. And Joshua is about to take over and lead the Israelites into the promised land. And throughout all of this, Deuteronomy 1, uh, and it keeps kind of going on, but you can, you can read this for yourself and you can be reminded of the times that God rescued the Israelites over and over and over again. Even though it was their sin that kept them from doing what God wanted them to do in the first place. But every time they would turn to him with their heart, every time, God rescued, protected. And so I bring this up and I tell the story of painting that parallel picture between when Israel rejected God and tried to save themselves, so to speak, when they rejected going to Canaan, and then at this point in time, 40 years have passed, and it is now time for them to go into Canaan, to the promised land. And all of that 40 years, God rescued them, sustained them. Psalm 107 uh, some wandered in the desolate wilderness, finding no way to a city where they could live. They were hungry and thirsty, and their spirits failed within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he re rescued them from their distress. And for us as a, as a New Testament believer, somebody reading these scriptures to, today... I think it's important to remember the context. I think it's important to remember what those who would have first heard those words or penned those words would have been thinking about, how they would have viewed them. And then I think it, I think it's important that we bring it forward because we actually find this very thing. God rescuing. Romans 10, verse 13, for everyone who come, calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I hear the echoes of some wandered in the desolate wilderness, finding no way to a city where they could live, and they were hungry and thirsty. Their spirits failed within them, and then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he rescued them. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So here's my question for you today. As a modern person listening to this, engaging with it, do you call on the name of the Lord? Or do you try to solve your issues and your problems yourself? Do you call on the name of the Lord? Or do you just try to make your own way? I did it in my way. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved.
Salvation doesn't belong to the ones who pick them, themselves up from the bootstraps. Salvation belongs to the one who calls on the name of the Lord, who lets the rescuer rescue them. And not only will he rescue you, he will lead you. 21 praises for 2021. God leads. Once again, Psalm 107 verse 4. Some wandered in the desolate wilderness, finding no way to a city where they could live. They were hungry and thirsty. Their spirits failed within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he rescued them from their distress. He led them by the right path to a city where they could live. Oh my, oh my, oh my. How rich of a verse that is. What's amazing to me. If, you can, if we continue on with Moses' last words in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 2, verse 7, just astounds me. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this immense wilderness. The Lord your God has been with you this past 40 years, and you have lacked nothing. What astounds me about this is Moses is painting this picture. He is saying these things. It is because of their sin and disobedience that they were in the wilderness in the first place. And yet God still led them. He never left them. Sure, the Israelites felt like they had been left. I mean, the fact is, if you go and you read the numbers accounts and even the some of the um, Exodus accounts of these this journey... There's going to be a real feeling that the Israelites felt like God had left them. And yet, when Moses is putting it into context in Deuteronomy, he says those words again, Deuteronomy 2, verse 7, The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this immense wilderness. The Lord your God has been with you this past 40 years, and you have lacked nothing. He leads. And I say that because I think so often we can forget that God's leading. We can get so distracted by the chaos of our lives. And the fact is, we may have committed a sin that put us into a wilderness state. The wilderness was not a joyride. If you look up uh, pictures of the wilderness of Zen, you will see that it was a much of it a desert wasteland. It was not a hospitable place. And yet, when Moses was delivering these words, they were about to enter the promised land, and they had spent 40 years in the wilderness of sin. And yet, those who remained faithful to God were still there, and they were ready to possess the land. And then you put it in the context of Psalm 107. Once again, the Israelites being brought together post-exile, to something that felt like a desolate land again. And already there were the great accomplishments accomplishments made. Houses built, walls built, are being built, and the temple, and all of these different things. And the reason why I say that, there may be consequences to our sin. There are always a, a consequences, but there may be consequences that are hard to bear. And yet, any time that we will turn to God, 
He will lead us. And if we stop and we think and we consider, we will know that God is good, that he has rescued us, and that he's leading us on good paths. We just have to see past the overwhelmingness of the moment. Jesus' words in John 14, 26, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. He leads. You can be led by the Spirit of God within you, the very part of the Trinity, God himself within you through the Holy Spirit will lead you if you will stop and listen and consider and pray. There's a saying, do things by the Spirit, and sometimes it can be perverted to this, oh, we're going to do crazy things that are just awesome, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? I, I, I say that, the blah, 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 because the Spirit is not something to be manipulated. It's not your genie. It's not my genie. The Spirit is to be submitted to, to learn from, to consider what is God telling you in the moment. But even if you've made mistakes and you know you have, there's still grace. And that's what Psalm 107 is all about here. Some wandered in the desolate wilderness. They were hungry and thirsty. And then they cried out to the Lord. And he rescued them. And he led them. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works. Do you know what's amazing? Not only will God rescue you, not only will he lead, he will satisfy. Psalm 107 again, Some wandered in the desolate wilderness, finding no way to a city where they could live. They were hungry and thirsty. Their spirits failed within them. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he rescued them from their distress. He led them by the right path to go to a city where they could live. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. For he has satisfied the thirsty and filled the hungry with good things. It's hard not to just stop for a moment and think of that. And if you have the time or, or the inclination, take a moment and pause the podcast and think through, can you say that God satisfies you? Because he will. But there is no satisfaction whenever we haven't been rescued, whenever we cannot stop and think of all that God has rescued us from. And I, I encourage you to do that, to stop and to think, what has God rescued you from? And if there hasn't been any rescue, then you may want to consider, do you know the King of Kings? Because everybody who meets Jesus is rescued from something. It could be their own lack of self-worth. It could be an addiction, addictions. It could even be terrible relationships. 
the point of their lives could have been changed irrevocably. Jesus rescues. Have you been rescued? He leads. I challenge you to stop and to think about, are you led by Christ? Or do you see yourself more like the Israelites who time and time again rebuffed and rebuked the ways of God? And yes, they paid dearly for it. And there were severe consequences. We're talking about two major ones, the exile to Babylon that they had been coming back from when Psalm 107 was written. And then the psalmist uses the idea of the wandering in the wilderness that was caused by the Israelites refusing God's directive of go take Canaan. They were more consumed with their fear than the faithfulness of God at that moment in time. And yet God is good and his grace endures because we find the Israelites in Psalm 107 reflecting on what God has done. I mean, verse 3 says he's gathered them up from the east and the west and the north and the south. And in Deuteronomy 6, its continuation of the words of Moses are so interesting to me. Verse 4, we'll start. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your hearts and all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorsteps of your house and on your city gates. Moses was given the prescription, God satisfies, but only when we're consuming him. I know that's a weird statement and and kind of silly, but I turn to Jesus' words yet again in Matthew 5 this time. The Attitudes, as they're commonly called, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You could say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for God, for they will be filled. That's what Moses was getting at in Deuteronomy 6. If you will give and submit to God, If you will think of him first and last, there will be nothing as satisfying. If you're willing to engage and talk about him wherever the conversation may come up, and I'm not talking in a religious way. I'm not talking in a forced way. I'm talking about that you are hungry for God. And it naturally pours out of you. Your life is consumed by not just the physical and the mental and the emotional, but it is also consumed by your spiritual life. If you will live in balance, you will find that spiritual conversations are natural. 
If you live in pursuit and hunger for God, for his word, if you will make him even a priority, but especially if you were bold enough to make him the priority, you will see these words come true. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And you know, Psalm 34, 8, probably puts this the best. And I, at, at prepping, I just, I had to make sure I included this for us. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him. He rescues. He leads. But more than those, what we need the most is he satisfies. He satisfies the longing of our heart. He satisfies the brokenness the distress, the distraught. If only we would turn to him. If only if we would taste and see that the Lord is good. So I challenge you. I challenge you to evaluate where Christ is on your priority list. And if he's not at the top and you're dissatisfied, there may be a reason for that. 21 praises for 2021. God is good. His love endures forever. And from this week, he rescues, he leads, he satisfies. Thank you for being a part of the Open Church podcast. If you need anything, please reach out at openchurchonline.com. And remember that you can be a part of this live on Sundays. You can find more at Live One Life. Until next time, be blessed.